Hello everyone, welcome back to Unraveling Impulse. My name is Nisa and I hope everyone is safe and warm. Uh, it's been a really freezing last couple of weeks uh, as we navigate a Canadian winter. Um, so I, I hope everyone is, is doing relatively well out there despite our weather conditions and ongoing Omicron and all that stuff. Um, I'm doing pretty well. I recently, well not I, but my daughter recently celebrated her seventh birthday. Um, that was last weekend. So we had a small celebration for her. Uh, it was nice that she was able to spend it with, um, you know, her two cousins in person this year and uncle, my other her other aunt so just um it was nice to have some in-person interaction this year last year we did a zoom party <laughs> um and she still loved it she still enjoyed she still like I remember last year she's like this was the best best birthday ever and I was like really okay <laughs> um so she still had a good time last year but I think it was it was really nice to to be able to have um some family come to celebrate her in person. Um, she had a great time. Um, it's always a bittersweet, uh, moment for me when she, when she turns, gets older, um, in general, <laughs> um, because, you know, it's like you're losing your, your baby. I mean, she hasn't been a baby for a long time, but I'm always sort of like, comparing every year to her baby years and just missing it's a bittersweet um that's all I can say it's uh you celebrate them growing and um you know evolving as little people into bigger people but you you miss you know their little cute baby faces and um the innocence of, of them being little ones, you know? Um, so yeah, I actually feel like I mentioned, I've said this before, but, um, I really, five was a, a sweet spot for me in terms of, <laughs> of being a parent. Um, I really enjoyed like when Neil and turn, like even four was pretty good. Like the age of like four, I felt like I had kind of gotten into a good stride. I, and I think it's mostly because when they turn four, five years old, there's just more freedom in terms of like, they're not, their schedules aren't as strict in terms of like naps and things like that. Their personalities are starting to evolve more. So interactions are a little bit more interesting. Um, there's more things you can do with them. Um, yeah, like I just, I just, I could have kept her at five to be honest. <laughs> so like now that she's like getting older, it's just kind of like, oh, I don't want you to age anymore. So anyway, um, that's what's been going on with me. Uh, this week I kind of wanted to, I was thinking a little bit about, um, self, the, the, topic of, not the topic, but just like the concept, um, of self-acceptance. And I decided to actually create my own journal prompt. Look at me. Um, normally I look for journal prompts and, or like I follow other people's journal prompts, but this time, because it was sort of rolling around in my head, I actually decided to write about self-acceptance. Um, and I think, uh, I been thinking about it in ter I just was reflecting on it in terms of, you know, now that I'm 40, there are certain things that I actually have come to terms with fairly well and certain things that don't really bother me anymore as much as they did in my younger years. And it's a great feeling. Um, <laughs> and 
something, I mean, I'm still working on a, a acceptance of a lot of other things, but I wanted to share a little bit about the things that I have learned to accept about myself. Um, and that's good and bad. It's not like self-acceptance isn't just about like, um, one or the other. It's kind of encompasses strengths and weaknesses. Um, and so, yeah, I just wanted to, I think I'm going to do that this week. I'm going to share a little bit about that. Um, it's difficult for, with this podcast, um, you know, I try my best to come from the most authentic place possible and to sit down and sometimes like map out topics to talk about can be difficult for me because you might have an idea of what you want to talk about, but then when you sit down to, to, to discuss it, <laughs> you don't want to anymore. Like that's ha that happened to me last week. I had this whole thing, this whole other topic that I wanted to talk about. And when I sat down to record, the words weren't coming. It just felt very disjointed, even though I had notes. Um, and I just wasn't feeling it. And I don't know, like kudos to those of you who have podcasts or create content and can plan ahead and just stick to it. But I find like with what I'm doing, because a lot of it is like what's sitting on my spirit and coming to you guys from a place of like what's actually going on with me, what's going through my head, what are some of the things I'm reflecting on, that planning ahead doesn't always work um, because that topic just might not be resonating with me in that particular week. Um, and so that kind of happened to me last week. So I don't know, like, I'm not sure a way around that. Um, I do know that the more I kind of sat with myself and kind of, you know, was journaling and writing about stuff, like this topic on self-acceptance is something that I was like, yeah, okay, I think I want to, I want to do that this week. Um, so here we are, but just, you know, in all transparency, I don't have, you know, I don't have like a list of topics that I'm always pre I'm prepared to talk about um, in any given week. Like, it's not that calculated, even when I try to be, because I don't think it's always necessarily a bad thing to, to be prepared or to be calculated in, in what you want to cover and the topics you want to talk about. But that's been a bit of a struggle for me, to be honest, um, for the reasons I just mentioned. So I'm doing my best, but we'll see what happens. Um, sometimes it does work out that like a topic that I pre-plan or think about works out and I, I do, you know, I'm happy to, I'm able to, to really delve into it and talk about it, but sometimes that doesn't happen. And that's kind of what happened. That's been actually happening the last couple of weeks. I don't know if it's because of just like the state of where we're at in the world right now. Again, like I mentioned in my last uh, episode on rest that my brain often has like 50 tabs open. So sometimes it's just hard for me to even focus. But yeah, whatever the case is, um, I do my best. <laughs> but um, sometimes I just have to not record because what I'm talking about just isn't coming together. And I'd rather come from a place of this is how I'm truly feeling so that I can speak better to it than it being forced, um, just so that I can put something out, you know, but we're working on it. We'll see, we'll see what happens. Maybe as I keep going, it will just come easier. I don't know. Having said that, um, I want to jump into this topic of self-acceptance. Um, so I first started, so basically what I'm going to do, and this, I've done this before with you guys where, I will journal about something and then just talk about it. And that's what I'm going to do today. So it might be a little messy. I mean, all of my podcasts are a little, um, 
messy and that I'm not coming with some like, you know, super prepared script or anything like that. But um, it's just from the heart, you know. Um, so yeah, I, I journaled about self-acceptance. Um, and the first thing that I asked myself was what does self-acceptance mean to me? And, um, self-acceptance to me means to own all aspects of who I am and to honor all parts of who I am, despite the areas that need work. Self-acceptance to me is making space for feelings that are valid while um, having the self-awareness to acknowledge and understand that not all of my feelings are valid because I think, you know, we, we often hear, oh, like your feelings are valid. I don't know that, that ne- that's necessarily true. Sometimes our feelings aren't valid. Sometimes our feelings are triggered by um, other things, but it doesn't mean that in every situation um, your feelings are a true reading of a situation. Um, And I think it's important to be aware of that. Uh, And so, yeah, I can acknowledge that some of my feelings are valid, but I I can also acknowledge that some of them aren't always valid. And... um, in having in saying that practicing compassion and gentleness with myself in both of those scenarios whether it's valid or not valid is part of accepting myself so not only accepting myself when i'm you know doing good or performing in a way that i deemed i perceive to be acceptable but when i'm not you know when i'm not living up to my own expectations, I guess. Um, it's important to to still be, to have, still have that compassion for yourself um, and to, to make space for um, accountability, but in a way that is still compassionate, essentially. Um, Self-acceptance to me doesn't necessarily mean that I have to love all aspects of myself, but to simply accept that they are part of me and that that doesn't mean that I am less lovable. Self-acceptance means maintaining a sense of neutrality towards myself and not attaching a criticism, feeling, or judgment to whatever that um, that thing is. So... Um, Sometimes I feel like there's this messaging around like self-love and to accept yourself, you have to love um, all aspects of who you are, even the things that you don't love, (laughs) like the things that you might want to change. And I think I've really gotten to a place where I don't necessarily want to have to attach an emotion to everything about myself. I sometimes just want to detach from that and to maintain like a position of, I don't love, but I don't hate this about myself. It's just there, you know? And I think that's part of accepting yourself is to, um, not expect that an emotion needs to be attached to all of who you are. Um, and that it's okay to not feel anything. Um, in fact, quite frankly, like there are a lot of ways in which I think maintaining neutrality is super helpful because then you're, it's not something that you're struggling with when you feel neutral towards something, when you're not attaching an emotion to, to it, there's just no expectation that that thing has to, um, meet a standard of, of, you know, acceptability or whatever. Um, it's just sort of there. And so, yeah, part of self-acceptance for me has become neutrality in that I don't have to feel anything. Um, and that in some things I want to be able to detach. Um, so yeah. Um, 
Also, acceptance is to know and believe that regardless of my perceived flaws, I have a right to exist in all of my humanity and be loved and valued. Self-acceptance is knowing that I have nothing to prove to myself or anybody else to be worthy of love and goodness in life. Um, yeah. So, I... The next part of what I asked myself is what are things you've learned to accept about yourself? So some of the things I've learned to accept about myself, um, I would say number one, I've accepted that I'm not a particularly social person, um, that, uh, I'm reserved low key. Um, and some that some may find me boring because of that. <laughs> so one of the things that I've struggled with throughout my life is, um, as I've mentioned numerous times before, um, I'm a, a fairly, I would say I'm a very introverted person. Uh, I've struggled with, um, not only just being an introvert, but being pretty shy as a child. And being an introvert and being shy don't necessarily, they're not mutually exclusive. They don't necessarily go together. Like, I know a lot of introverted people who are not shy. They just are, like, reserved, you know? It doesn't mean that they're, they have, like, any issues talking to people. Whereas with me, um, I was a very shy, timid child. Um, it was very difficult for me to like speak to people. Um, and it's funny that, that we, we call that shyness, but like my adult mind actually now processes, processes that as a form of anxiety. Um, because whenever I think back to my childhood and like when I f was like at the peak of like <laughs> being really, uh, having a difficult time sort of like, um, coming out of my shell and interacting with others. A lot of what I felt in those moments was extreme anxiety. And, um, I often felt misunderstood because of it. Uh, especially kind of growing up in a family that is mostly extroverted. Um, or even if, those who were introverted, they didn't necessarily, again, they didn't necessarily resonate with like the shy piece. Like, so I often felt like an outsider and strange and weird because I just didn't know how to interact with others because I felt anxiety of around it, especially adults. Like, um, as a child, I often felt anxiety to interact with other adults. Um, yeah. And just general, like having to like perform in front of a group of people or like that stuff, I mean, was really very, or speak up for myself. Like those things were very anxiety inducing for me as a child. And so I kind of had a complex about it. Not kind of, I did a deep, deep complex for many, many years. And it's really only in the last, like, maybe like, eight years or so that I've started to understand more about myself and like where that might come from through reading different types of books and stuff. Um, but also just accepting it as part of my personality. Uh, as I've grown, I've definitely shed a lot of my shyness. Um, it's still sort of there in some instances, but I would definitely say I'm less, much, much less so now than I was, uh, growing up. Um, but I've gotten to a place where that's something that not really even the shyness, but just the fact that I'm not like a super charismatic, like life of the party. I don't even like parties. <laughs> um, you know, I'm just, I'm just not that that person. Um, and it took me a long time to accept that it didn't make me defective or, um, 
lame, (laughs) even though I still make fun of myself. Like I still call myself boring and lame, but I think those are all ways of me sort of, um, I guess managing other people's perception. Like if I call myself boring or lame before they do, then it's easier for me to (laughs) like accept the label or whatever. But yeah, like it's, it's something that as a 40 year old now, I don't give a shit. Like, like I'm just like, yeah, this is who I am. So take it or leave it. I have nothing to prove. I don't care if you want to, if you perceive me to be lame or boring or whatever, uh, it is what it is. Uh, whereas when I was younger, I definitely felt more self-conscious about it. Um, and would sometimes like there were moments in my life for sure where I would force myself to try to fit into a mold, um, where I was seen as like socially acceptable, um, interesting, well, not even interesting, but like the thing that kind of compounds all of this, the fact that I'm not necessarily a social person is that I'm not, I don't even really partake in a lot of socially acceptable things like drinking. I'm not a drinker, never have been. I've like had drinks over the years, but they just never, like, I just never got anything from it. I never liked the way I felt when I drank still don't. Um, so I would like sort of try it throughout the years to be like, okay, well maybe, but just, it just was never, it never hit for me. And so I think especially in my twenties, um, that was a source of like, (laughs) I just cultural, like social suicide where it's like, oh, you don't drink, ugh, you know, like, so yeah, like I would, I would feel a ways about that. But for the most part, like, my core group of friends always respected that about me. Like they never really pressured me or made me feel badly about it, but it was more so people who didn't really know me. If I was trying to make friends or certain friends, uh, there would definitely be like moments of judgment (laughs) that made me feel self-conscious, but you know, now I don't, I really don't care. Um, so yeah, accepting that I am, um, I'm just low key, you know, I'm, I'm a reserve kind of gal. Uh, I, I think, I think social, being a social person is also subjective. Um, because I would say that I actually really do enjoy interacting with other people, but I just don't enjoy interacting with other people in large settings. Um, in, um, I'm, I'm definitely one who, will connect with you in more intimate settings in a one-on-one like I love a coffee shop type situation (laughs) um just anywhere where I get to really talk to a small group of people or one other person that's my that's my jam and so I wouldn't even necessarily say I'm not social I'm just not social in the way that is generally accepted by our culture um and I'm okay with that now Um, the other thing that I've accepted about myself is that I'm a highly sensitive person, uh, (laughs) which there was no like psychology or whatever. There was no psychological terms for, for this, these, this personality trait, you know, growing up again, it's something that, um, I read the book, um, quiet by Susan Cain. I believe her name is years ago. Um, it's probably been like 10 years and I still have the book, but it was honestly one of the most important reads of my life because that book is really about people who are, um, on the more introverted side, but also people who are like very sensitive. And she kind of like everything that she talks about in that book made me feel so understood and seen. Um, and she kind of references the, the term highly sensitive, which doesn't even necessarily mean like, oh, you cry easily, which it can mean that. Um, but it can also just mean that when you're placed in situations where there's a lot of, um, what's the word? Um, 
where there's just a lot going on, um, sensory overload, that it can actually trigger feelings of irritability or moodiness or um, anxiety um, because you're just sensitive to a lot of um, noise or like loudness and all of those things. So um, the book just kind of made me more aware. Like I actually was able to reflect on a lot of situations in my life where I would go to a, a party and suddenly be in a bad mood, like out of nowhere. I would just be like, I want to go home. And I often was like, do I have some kind of like mood disorder? Because why am I suddenly just like so annoyed by being here? Uh, it wouldn't happen all the time. Like I could go out to a party or a club or something and have a great time. But like there were definitely, but it would almost be like equal amounts of like, uh, sometimes I would go out and have fun and other times I would just be so irritated and annoyed and just like wanting to over everything and wanting to go home. And yeah, like for a long time I was just like, do I have some kind of mood disorder? Like what's going on here? And then having read the book, I realized like I'm just like highly sensitive to the energy of a lot of people being around, a lot of noise, um, yeah, all of that stuff. And once I understood that about myself, it really kind of gave me the tools to know how to manage it. Like kind of knowing that you could be triggered if you go to a party or um, an event where there are lots of people, it's going to be noisy, blah, blah, blah. When you know all that stuff, you almost like can better prepare for it. Like I realized that, okay, if I'm going in this situation and I'm starting to feel annoyed or moody or irritable, I'm just going to focus on talking to one person. Um, and oftentimes, or I'm just going to like, um, you know, kind of just, just sit quietly and observe. Like you don't have to feel forced to like interact, but like just, just even, okay, I'm going to be social with just one person as opposed to trying to like, you know, often would sort of, um, distract me from all the other noise that was happening around me. Um, but yeah, like I had, to, I, I've learned to accept that I'm a highly sensitive person. And for me, it isn't just like, you know, noises and stuff. I am, I am a crier too. Like I'm a sensitive person in terms of emotionally sensitive as well. Um, but yeah, like I've just learned, come to learn that being sensitive has given me a heightened awareness of myself and makes me a keen observer of the world around me. And that's always given me a sense of understanding and empathy for the human experience. It's why I can sit on here and share and be vulnerable. It's why I can tap into my emotions in the things that I write and that that resonates with people. It's why it's what people who connect with me like most about me is is my honesty and um openness and willingness to be vulnerable and honest and um I think you know that's the other side of of being a sensitive person a highly sensitive person is is those 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 uh, those um I guess that awareness um and that's actually brought me really great um connections with people so so yeah like it sucks in one sense but then it's also like there's good that comes out of it too um and I've learned that sensitive is not synonymous with weak um and that's something that I struggled with for a very long time um as I grew up is that I just always felt like I was a weak individual because I would feel my emotions um I wasn't really like someone to try to bottle up um if I was sad um and 
I've learned over the years that to be sensitive and to be honest and to be vulnerable and to feel your feelings isn't is not does not mean you're weak um I've actually been through a lot and I consider myself to be a pretty strong person acknowledging sadness and allowing oneself to feel things doesn't negate strength and um that's one of the things that I have really come to accept about myself is that you know feeling your feelings being sensitive doesn't mean that you are weak um and sure it can be an inconvenience um and it's not always fun to be a highly sensitive person but it doesn't mean that I am less of a person or a weaker person for that so there's that um the other thing that I've come to accept about myself is that I'm an anxious person um and I think that's that can also tie into the being highly sensitive piece but yeah I'm an anxious person as I talked about you know being shy and like realizing that shyness was actually a form of anxiety for me um yeah I I've always carried anxiousness with me since I can remember um but I didn't know that it was anxiousness like we again we didn't have terms like anxiety and I guess even when you think of anxiety like there's so many forms of anxiety and it's so layered um and I think the way that I may have thought about anxiety as a younger adult was something that was like that happens to people who are um I don't know I I just felt like it was something that happened to like adults who work or something like that like who have real stressors in life it's like my young self what was I being anxious over all I had to do was go to school and you know what I mean like I don't know I just I just don't think that I well I didn't understand the full scope of what it meant to be an anxious person um but yeah, I'm a worrier. I often don't realize when my anxiousness is even being triggered because it's so built into the way that I function. Um, I've learned that there are tools to turn to to help manage my anxiety and that it'll never really fully go away. Like I'm always going to be managing anxiety till the day I die. And I know there are a lot of other people who are in the same boat as me but yeah um I'm not like I've learned that anxiety doesn't mean that I'm a failure at life because I struggle with because I struggle with it um I think it's just you know humans are complex beings and we're all wired differently and that doesn't make me less equipped to handle all that life throws at me it's just sort of part of my Part of the way that um, I internalize um, my existence is is to sometimes feel anxious. And again, that's, t- to me, very much so linked to being a sensitive person as well. Um, but yeah, I've accepted that, that I am an anxious person, um, but that it doesn't make me any less equipped to manage life. It's just something else that I have to manage. Um, another thing I would say is I can be, I've accepted that I can be a moody person. (laughs) Like honestly, again, and I think all of these things are, um, like, as I mentioned, uh, when I'm put in certain, certain situations that I feel are like super sensory overload for me, I can become like suddenly irritable or whatever. But even aside from that, like I can recognize that just generally speaking, because, because I think that I take in a lot of other people's energies. Um, I don't know if I could be consider myself an empath or not. Um, I just, I don't know. I don't think I know enough about it. Um, but I do know that I'm definitely sensitive to the world around me. Um, and I think that that triggers my moods 
in a lot of ways. And so there are moments where I can be very, very moody, sometimes even like melancholy. Uh, as I've gotten older, because I've, I have so much awareness about my sensitivities and things like that, I would say a little less so, but you know, it's still there. It's still always sort of there. Um, but I've accepted that again, like having, having moods where you're not always in the greatest of spaces where sometimes you feel a little bit sad or melancholy. Like I wouldn't say that I'm out and out depressed, but yeah, you just, you're just, you have, you have periods where you're just feeling a little down. Um, I've just accepted that that's part of my journey and that it's okay to sometimes have a mood. Um, and I think being 40 now, I definitely have tools to better manage those moods and, um, that I didn't have before. There's, there's like a lot of so much more self-awareness and understanding of myself. Um, but having said that, it's also just something that I've come to accept about myself too, and not really shame myself for, um, the way that I used to like, <laughs> like I just, I, I honestly used to think I was just like, there again, like I had like some kind of, of emotional imbalance, but I, I realized that a lot of these things are attached to me being, um, a sensitive person to being an anxious person. And, um, again, I think everybody just sort of manages though, manages those things in different ways. And sometimes, um, sometimes a bitch is just be in a bad mood. <laughs> um, but like I said, there's more awareness around it. Um, and if I take a really bad mood out on somebody else, I try to rectify it and, and apologize if I'm aware of it. Um, and just practice awareness, compassion, self-compassion and all that stuff. But yeah, that's something that I've just had to come to terms with that. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not always in the greatest of moods. Um, Another thing is that deviating from anxiousness and like how I'm wired, uh, that I'm just an okay mother. Um, I don't always get it right with my daughter. In fact, I am pretty sure that I'm effing up like 70% of the time. Um, but I've come to accept that it's okay to just be okay. Like I used to think before I had a kid that, oh, like I'm, I'm going to be so much more better than like, you know, I felt not that like my mom was a great mom too, but like, even in that she was still, she's still human. She still made her mistakes. So it's like, oh, I'm not going to make any of those mistakes. I'm going to be so much, you know, and it's like, it happened and it's like, no girl, like this shit is so much harder <laughs> than what I thought it was. And, um, I really just have, I just really had to come to terms with the fact that like, you're an okay mom. Um, and a lot of that is because you, you yourself are human and you're still navigating your own baggage and um to not constantly be projecting your own baggage onto others or even your own kid is like that takes like another level of awareness and maybe some of us some of you are there I know I'm not um but I do my best I definitely think there are areas that I'm doing really well in but I'm not always doing really well um, and so, yeah, like, it's just kind of like when moms are, oh, I'm a great mom. I'm like, yeah, I'm an okay mom, you know, <laughs> because I recognize that I can't be great all the time and I'm just not great all the time. Um, and one of the things that I try to do to, I guess, um, acknowledge that is to just take accountability for it. Um, you know, like I've apologized to my daughter for yelling or when it's uncalled for, or, and I think I've, I've talked about this in my, one of my motherhood, uh, episodes, but yeah, like 
I apologize all the time um, whenever I've done something wrong um, and I try to course correct as best I can, but I'm not always there. And so, um, yeah, like I think, I think just accepting that I'm not as great as I thought I would be (laughs) in terms of motherhood. But I also, like, motherhood and being a parent is also so much more um, difficult than I imagined it would be. Um, because there's there's what, there's what you think it's going to be, and then there's the reality. And, you know, raising a human being who has their own personality, who, like, you know, it comes with a lot. So, yeah, I'm an okay mom with moments of greatness um and moments of shittiness in between and uh it's just a practice to kind of keep working at the things that I'm shitty at and and trying to incorporate more of the things that I'm really great at um but having said that yeah I'm constantly making a mess (laughs) so um yeah I've just I've just accepted that um you know that it's okay to just be okay <laughs> as, as a parent. Um, I did read somewhere that, um, I, I don't remember the name of the therapist, but she was saying that all children really need our okay parents to also be okay. Um, so for the most part, if a child's needs are being met and, um, there's generally like not extreme abuse and things happening that, most children will be okay. Like we're going to, we're going to f up our kids to some extent. I think there there's going to be some level of, um, you know, your kid internalizing something that you said that will affect them, and um, that's because we're just we're just all human, and it's it's a bit inevitable. <laughs> I think. Um, but I think as as long as you really strive to practice accountability and to course correct and to just love your kids and be there for them, then you're doing you're doing well, you know. Um, so yeah. Um, another thing that I've accepted about myself is that my body will never look the way it did before giving birth. <laughs> um, yeah that's that's so there's like a two-sided coin here because there's still things about myself that I'm accepting um in terms of like my physical appearance and maybe I think I want to do like a whole separate thing on like beauty and what that means for me now as a 40 year old but Um, in terms of just like the changes that happened to my body after I gave birth, like, and I'm talking about like, I'm not talking about, oh, like, you know, weight gain or whatever. I'm more so just talking about like, my stomach will never look the quite the same. (laughs) I have stretch marks on my belly. I have like a mom pooch that even at the height of my fitness like when I was doing there sometimes where I was, there was a point in, um, time when Naylan was a baby. I think she was like one or two where I was like working out twice a day at one point when I had all that time. Um, and I was like super fit, but even then, like I still had this little mom pouch and it never went away. And, and unless you, unless you literally have surgery of some sort, cosmetic surgery of some sort, it's just always going to be there. And so, Yeah, like I just, but I've over time just come to accept that this is just what it is now, you know, Um, and I just don't feel like killing myself to get what I used to have because first of all, I would literally have to kill myself outside of surgery (laughs) to get what I used to have and there's just more to life. And I don't like, again, I'm getting old. I'm (laughs) not that 40 is old, but you know, I'm, I'm older. I'm a woman of a certain age now. 
And you just start to realize that there's more to life, I guess, than constantly obsessing about your appearance all the time. Um, And that's not to say that I don't have obsessive thoughts about things that, about my parents that I don't like. Um, But that's to say that I'm sort of at a place where it doesn't define whether or not I'm going to enjoy my life. Um, I don't, I don't feel as intensely about um, body image the way that I did in my 20s and like my even my early 30s. Um, I've relaxed a lot um, and I've given myself a lot more space to just be. Um, and uh, it feels really good to be in a place where you're not attaching your entire identity to the way that you look all the time. And it's, again, that's not to say that I'm, like, in a in a perfect space of self-acceptance in terms of my entire appearance, but it just means that I've, I've accepted it enough to not let it rule whether or not I can enjoy my life. Um, I'm still going to go swimming with my daughter. <laughs> I'm not going to... I'm not going to let not looking a certain way um keep me from enjoying a beautiful ocean and getting in getting in the water it's it's you know it's it's just i'm 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 more than the way that i look and i definitely think in my younger years um i placed way more pressure on myself and was definitely in a place of self-loathing whenever I didn't feel like I met a certain standard of, um, like bodily, (laughs) um, beauty or what's accepted. Um, and that has also meant coming to terms with my own like fat phobia. And if you guys don't know about fat phobia, Google it, but it's really just, um, how we um how we value certain types of bodies over others certain types of shapes over others and you know I've gained weight over the years I'm not um again I'm not as small as I used to be when I um before I had my daughter um I've kind of fluctuated up and down I'm still sort of I suppose an acceptable standard of like, um, small in terms of society, but I'm not as small. Um, but you know, I also just don't, I don't feel like as much pressure to, to need to be what I used to be. And so there's been, there's been a, there's been a bit of a breakthrough there. And I think it's just something that comes with age, and I hope that it continues. Um, again, I'm still working on it. I still have good days and bad days with it. I think I would like to do a more in-depth um, discussion on on beauty in general. But um, yeah, like I'm 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 a lot more at peace. Um, I definitely feel like since the pandemic more uncomfortable because I haven't been moving my body as much and there's been some issues around that but acceptance around that but overall I just I care less and um, I definitely consider that um, a a form of acceptance in terms of like oh I'm you know I'm not going to be at that place (laughs) and that's okay um the other thing I will say is I, I won't be liked by everyone. Um, I don't know that I was always necessarily super, um, affected by being liked by lots of people, uh, especially because I've really, like, I'm, again, again, I always was the type of person to sort of, like, have very few friends, like, 
there's always there'd always be sort of like a core group or a core person that I'd always go to throughout my life. Um, and so it was never super important to me to have like tons of friends. Um, having said that though, I don't necessarily think you need to have tons of friends to want to be liked. I like, you could just want to be liked by even acquaintances or people you meet or whatever. And so I think that's always been a thing for me too, is like, if someone didn't like me, um, it'd be like, well, why, <laughs> you know, and just wanting to feeling badly about it, um, and feeling like it was tied to my self-worth, but I'm definitely at an age now where I can accept that not only will everyone not like me, but I won't like everyone either. I mean, I've been done not liking everyone, <laughs> so why would it be different with me, you know, like, People, you just don't resonate with everybody. And it's not even like saying that you don't like someone or you don't, you're not, you don't gravitate to someone. It's not even to say that, oh, those people are bad people. It just means that for whatever reason, you just don't take to them. And that doesn't make them bad. It doesn't make me bad. It just means like, we're just not meant for each other. And I think... And I think even in terms of like, if someone just doesn't like me because whatever, there's a whole host of reasons, that's okay too. Like, if they do think I'm a bad person or whatever, um, that's fine. Um, and it has nothing to do with me. That's none of my business. You know, that's a them thing, not a me thing. I've, that, you know, my job is to focus on those who do take to me who I do resonate with and who that resonate with me. And so I've kind of, um, gotten better at letting go of, you know, being liked. Um, and I'm more accepting of the fact that like people might not, and that's okay. Even in this space of sharing and being vulnerable and the things that I write or whatever, it's always sort of like, Oh, this person's going to think I'm this or, I'm oversharing or whatever. And it's like, oh, well, you know what I mean? Um, let them. So, yeah. Um, and lastly, I think that one of my biggest forms of self-acceptance have come in understanding that my life path is my own and that trying to chase happiness or success based on what looks good on paper or what looks good to others um, is actually the opposite of, of um, what makes me happy and what makes me feel successful. And I think, especially since moving back to Canada several years ago, I think, you know, with my pending divorce, like... My life has, with me having to start from scratch in terms of like job career, me bouncing from one job to the next, not really having a particular career path, um, I've really had to grapple with my life not looking like I thought or what I would want people to perceive it to look like. I've had to accept that you know, my path may fall outside of what's socially acceptable or what people think of as successful or, you know, um, the best way to achieve something, but that's okay. And I've actually in the last several years have really had to sit with myself and acknowledge do were these things that I were these things are these things things that I really want for myself anyway um and in many cases they're not like a lot of things that I used to think I wanted for myself I realize I am actually fine without it you know I don't have to have it um and I'm sort of really just okay with not having a linear path in life. I'm okay with my life 
appearing kind of messy and and disjointed um, because I'm actually feeling a lot more comfortable with the direction it's taking in terms of the things that I'm doing, the choices I'm making resonating with my spirit in such a deep way where I just feel so much freer. Like, I'm still in a place of struggle and awkwardness in my life, very much so, but there is also this underlying sense of freedom, and it's the best feeling, and it's scary, it's it's messy sometimes, but it's so freeing, and I will never give this feeling up again. Um, and so that means that my life might look different um, and that my path might be different. It might be more unconventional. Maybe in a lot of ways it's not. I'm still extremely conventional in my life. But there are certain things that... Um, I've really just had to reconsider in terms of like how I want my life to look and um I've become really okay with it. I've really become okay with it. I I'm accepting of it because I feel like they're the choices are the truest choices I've I'm making for myself. They're choices that make me feel good. Um and that are basically making even making me a better mother and just a better friend, a better person, because I am not gripping onto other people's dreams and trying to make it my own anymore. I'm really, really sitting with myself and, and honoring my own desires, um, and wants. And that doesn't necessarily coincide with, you know, what society or my, you know, peers or whoever sees as, you know, successful or whatever, but who cares? Um, I'm, I'm being true to me, um, for the first time in a long time. So yeah, I've accepted that, uh, my life path is my own and I'm getting to, to carve that out for myself in, in the most, authentic and uh, honest way that I can. Then um, I just love that for me. Um, I was re- I was on Twitter the other day and someone wrote something that like resonated deeply with me. I was just like, yes. And it was something along the lines of when you've gone when you have gone for like eventually you stop wanting things that um like let's say you've wanted something really bad but eventually like but it's just not happening and over time you just stop wanting that thing altogether and that felt very true to me because there are a lot of things that I thought I wanted really badly in life um some material things some non-material things but like they may not have, they may happen, but they very well may not happen. And I realize that I'm actually just okay with that. I'm okay in whatever scenario plays out. And that's a good place to be. So on that note, um, I will, I will wrap up this episode. Um, I'm curious to know what you guys have started to accept about yourselves or have come to a place of acceptance with in terms of yourselves um have you guys thought about it like have you reflect especially those of you who are now in your 40s or who just turned 40 I'm curious to know um like what are some things that you really really struggled with um in your younger years that you really are just like feeling really freed from now and and have really accepted about yourself um I'd love to know so that's it guys um I will see you next time oh and also I'm really horrible at at plugging myself and you know like the whole marketing thing is not my 
it's not my thing. Uh, I'm guess I'm trying, but uh, you can also check me out on my Instagram at Unraveling Impulse, um, where I kind of like to share writing snippets of my writing, my thoughts, and um, I post. Uh, I'll post uh, where when my my podcast episodes are going to be aired and all that stuff. So follow me there too. All right. I will talk to you guys again soon. Take care. Bye.